Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a placement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. Hey, Christ the King, Pastor Grant here. If I haven't met you before, I'm so glad that you've chosen to worship with us this weekend. Laurel and I are gone this weekend. We made it through Christmas and New Year's, and now we just took a weekend away just to kind of catch our breath as we get ready to launch into an incredible winter and spring season here at CTK. You know, we're about to embark on a, as a church on a very, very challenging journey. We call it 12 Steps, A Spiritual Journey. Because of my own story and history, which I've shared here at Christ the King many, many times, I'm very familiar with 12-step uh, programs, and I'm so thankful for the work that AA and NA and any of the other groups that you've used 12 Steps have done as they've helped people navigate through very, very difficult and often broken seasons of their life. Here at CTK, we do something called 12 Steps, A Spiritual Journey. In 2003, when I became the lead pastor here at Christ the King Bellingham, uh, I saw that we were doing 12 Steps, and I thought, well, if I'm going to lead a recovery church, I should probably do the 12 Step, A Spiritual Journey program. I had no idea what God was going to do in my heart during that season. I mean, I really thought that I was there to help other people understand their pain, because after all, I, I didn't have any issues. I was just find. Only to find out that with a small group of guys in a office here at the Christ the King campus, uh, only to discover that God was going to peel back the layers of my soul piece by strategic piece. If you go through 12 steps of spiritual journey, if nothing else, the amount of scripture and prayer that you have an opportunity to walk through becomes prolific in your life. But for me personally, I realized that God was going to the very core of who I was as a person. I found out, believe it or not, I had some pretty deep issues. I could never figure out why I would respond in certain ways, in certain times, in certain circumstances. And as I walked through 12 Steps of Spiritual Journey, I began to discover that my addiction to people-pleasing, that my unresolved grief, that issues that I had not only as a kid, but in my teen years of, of wanting so desperately to fit in and be accepted, I just realized that they were layer upon layer upon layer of, of difficult stuff that was just wrapping up my soul and that I had never really experienced the real freedom and wholeness that Jesus wanted for me. One of my key 12-step moments was on my spiritual journey. I was meeting with my mentor, my sponsor. His name was John Havland. And John asked me a very difficult question. He said, Grant, who signs your report card? That's a part of the 12-step of spiritual journey work. Who signs your report card? 
And I had to say, John, it would be easier to tell you who didn't sign my report card because everyone I've ever met gets to sign Grant Fishbook's report card. And I will never forget what happened in my heart when John looked me in the eye and said, what if we could get your report card down to one single name? What if Jesus was the only signature that you cared about when it came to who gets to evaluate your life? John has no idea how much freedom he brought into my life in that moment. And it was all because of a book that walked me through 12 very difficult spiritual steps of discovering what Jesus meant for me to be really whole. Another piece of my journey that I'll quickly share with you is the fact that, that uh, I realized very quickly that I had some trust issues. And I can tell you how I knew I had trust issues because when I started 12 Steps, I had two books, one book that I brought to group with me and one book that I hid in my car because I was terrified of what people would think of me if they saw my real answers to those very difficult questions. By the end of my time, of my first time through 12 Steps, which I have now done nine times, uh, I was able to bring my real book and my real self into a room of fellow Christ the Kingers because I finally found that being me, was uh, it was enough and it was okay. Because me is not who I think I am. Me is who Jesus believes that I am. So I have learned so much through the 12 Steps, A Spiritual Journey, and I'd like to invite you to take that same journey with us. Well, this morning, I'd like to introduce to you right now, Pastor Melanie Kemp. Melanie has also done 12 Steps multiple times. Melanie has been on staff with us for more than 20 years. She actually predates me here at Christ the King Community Church. Just recently, Pastor Melanie moved from being our pastor of adult community life to become the executive pastor here at the Bellingham campus. And I am so honored to be able to work alongside of my sister and my friend. And I ask you to give a very warm welcome um, to our new executive pastor and also a person who has walked this 12-step journey. Would you please welcome with me, Pastor Melanie Kemp. Thanks. A little over 22 years ago, my husband, Mike, and I, and our then very young three children actually were looking for a church in Whatcom County, a place that we could uh, engage, a place where we could raise our kids. We had tried several churches. Um, There's a lot of good stuff, but it just, we never found a place that really clicked for us. Well, we had friends at the time who had been attending a church called Christ the King Community Church. And they invited us several times, actually were pretty relentless about it, um, and eventually we said yes. They said, please come with us uh, just, to, just to try it out, to try a weekend service. And that is how, 22 years ago, we came through the doors of this church. But we actually stayed because of what we experienced. Here's what we found, that this was a church that was willing to tell the truth, to tell the truth about God and who he is, what he has for all of us, both inside and outside of the church. This was a church that was willing to tell the truth about his word, about the world that we all experience. But most importantly, this was a church that was willing to tell the truth about Christians, 
about the fact that we as believers often can find ourselves just as stuck, just as stuck in our pain, in our loss, in our grief, in our brokenness, just as stuck as the world around us. And what was most important is that they unapologetically named this truth without shame or condemnation. That was really important for me. I'm happy to say that 22 years later, 20 years for me on staff, that while a lot has changed, in fact, some of the change has been hard. Some of it's been good. A lot of it's been necessary. But this part of who we are, this core part of who we say we are, part of our identity has not changed. That we will unapologetically state what's real, talk about the struggle, make it safe, and actually make it safe for those who are on their journey toward God, back to God, with God, that we will be a safe place where people can own where they are. And that is, that is a really important part of our identity that has not changed in my 22 years here. In fact, uh, when I came here 22 years ago, my first experience after attending a weekend service was to say yes to 12 Steps of Spiritual Journey and to be a part of that, that group. Well, as we shift to a new series this weekend, we are actually going to welcome Wendy Powell, who you know as our community outreach pastor, who I know as a coworker, as a co-pastor, but most importantly, as a really good friend. So please join me in welcoming Wendy. Good morning. If I haven't met you before, my name is Wendy and I'm a workaholic. It's not usually how I finish that sentence up here, is it? Nonetheless, it is true. I'm a workaholic. It probably started when I was a kid, like many things do. Getting good grades, winning awards, the praises of my teachers and others felt so good. Whether it was being named Brag and Dragon in second grade, or my GPA in middle school and high school, even college, being competent filled a hole in my soul. Then I entered the workforce and for eight years threw myself into what I could accomplish. And by just age 28, I was burnt out. I'd hit bottom. My daughter was three at the time and I was raising her alone. I was managing 21 staff in seven counties and commuting from Bellingham to an office in South Seattle. I left her at daycare every day right as they opened and I picked her up just as they were closing. When I left that job in 2005, I was exhausted, stressed, disconnected from my own heart, and much less than the mother Cynthia needed. The expectations of others, but maybe more importantly, the standards I set for myself, drove me to sacrifice relationships, doing damage to myself and those that I love most. I was finally miserable enough to make a change. So I got a local job with better hours, thinking I'd learned my lesson but I was still driven to achieve, driven to make a difference, driven to prove something. And then, then God started me on my journey from broken to becoming whole. 13 years later, I can say I am a recovering workaholic. When stress piles up or pressure mounts, I'm still tempted to click into that mode that achieves at all costs. And when I am hurting or insecure, I'll admit I sometimes relapse into finding my comfort, my security, and even my identity in my work. But I promise you this, 
I am no longer blindly driven by my unmet needs or the wounds of my past. I was blind to all that, but now Jesus has taught me to see. Amen. When you hear the word addiction, what comes to your mind? Who is that person? What do they struggle with? Do you know who I picture? One of my best friends who is 14 years clean and sober. I also picture a couple in this church, both recovering alcoholics, who lead one of the most exciting ministries at CTK. I also picture three guys who attend here whose lives of recovery point people in the AA community back to Jesus and to the path of wholeness. And here's something I can tell you about all of them. Their experiences with Christ have given them a passion for God, a clarity of purpose, and a tenacious faith that I deeply admire. I have so much respect for the men and women who are walking the recovery journey away from addiction towards wholeness. Many of you are familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous, AA. They were the first to lift these 12 steps, these 12 actions or decisions out of the Bible that can guide people towards Christ and the freedom he offers. But I can let you in on a little secret here. Those same 12 steps are the guideposts on the path we all must walk to freedom. While AA and NA focus on particular addictions, those belong to a broader category that I like to call stuckness. It's a technical term, stuckness. Some of us know we're stuck, others may not. To help you find your place in the stuckness, let me give you three places that stuckness hides in our lives. First, let's talk about coping mechanisms. We all have them. They are the ways that we numb our pain, and check out when life gets overwhelming. Does anybody here remember the game show Family Feud? Anybody? Right? Category goes up on the board, and then according to a survey, contestants have to guess what responses were given the most. I think we should play around. The category is addictions. So usually, right, the first family always tended to have the easy answers, what comes to everybody's mind first. Survey says drugs, alcohol, Gambling, shopping, pornography. Strangely, by percentage, these end up being towards the bottom of the list. So now the opposing family has to come up with the mysterious yet more common answers. When Americans are actually surveyed, here are the things that come out on top. Survey says, emotional eating, television and video games, my personal favorite, workaholism, people-pleasing, which is an addiction to saying yes that our overcommitted, busy culture actually glorifies. And then we have digital consumption. Did you know that some surveys say that we look at our phones upwards of 100 times a day? If that's not addiction, friends, I'm not sure what is. I could go on, but the point is, many of us are coping in more or less socially acceptable ways, but coping is much less than God has for us. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Life is hard, but with Jesus, there are healthier ways to cope and even overcome. Stuckness has another disguise, self-protection. The things we do to create the illusion that we're in control. Let me give you some popular choices to consider. Perfectionism, manipulation, religious striving, anger, 
worry, and caretaking. Can anybody here relate to any of those, even a little? Anybody? Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not alone. I find myself in that list as well. But here's the thing. Those things are often a distortion of something that is good. If you think about caretaking, for example, the Bible tells us over and over that we are to care for one another. But when we are driven to care for others, whether they like it or not, that's probably more about us feeling in control and like we can fix it than really caring. Do you see the difference? The Psalms remind us time and time again that God is our best source of protection, and yet we keep trying to take his job. Stuckness also hides in a warped sense of normal. These are the areas in your life where you have vetoed God's perspective and decided for yourself what is normal. Let me give you some possible options here. Casual sex with anybody you want, when you want, on your terms. How about gossip in all its various forms, from water cooler conversations to prayer requests? What about white lies or even big whoppers, as long as they're told to avoid conflict or get us out of trouble? How about cheating on your taxes or on a test? If your first line of defense when the Holy Spirit pricks your conscience is, well, come on, everybody does that, then friends, you're stuck. Something has made a place in your life that does not belong. So where might you be stuck? Where in your life do you long for change? Whatever just came to mind could be the place God is inviting you into the 12-step process. I'll be going through 12 steps for the fourth time this winter. We're starting in just a couple weeks. And each time through, God and I have tackled another part of me that is stuck, that is broken, that is sinful. And he leads me to freedom. Not a way to get by, not just reprieve from the mess, not even a way to improve. He brings me to freedom, new life, redemption, true recovery. Some of you may have heard CTK referred to as a recovery church. In fact, I think Grant said that in his uh, video. Or, and maybe you wondered what that meant, or you assumed we must have programs like AA around here. Actually, for us, it means God has called us to point people from all walks of life who are stuck in a myriad of different ways, point them to the path of spiritual recovery. We unashamedly want to introduce you to Jesus for you to know the God who loves you and is with you and for you, who pursues you with his relentless love. But we would never want your journey to stop there. That would fall short of all the goodness God has for you. We want to help you discover the abundant life that Jesus was talking about. It breaks my heart when people meet Jesus for the first time and believe him for their eternity, but they don't know how to live life here and now with him. And so by and large, not a whole lot changes. Friends, let me just say, it is very hard to hang out with Jesus and stay the same. Only when we hold him at a distance, intentionally or unintentionally, do we find ourselves stuck. The Christian life is a life of change and growth, adventure and challenge. If that is not the life you're living, don't settle. Please don't settle. Instead, take a chance on spiritual recovery. And by that, I mean the access we give God and the work we cooperate in doing to recover the life God intended for us. There's a lot to unpack there. Let me say that again. Spiritual recovery is the access we give God and the work we cooperate in doing to recover the life he intended for us.
Would you agree that the life you're living today in some aspect is not what God intended? Please know this with certainty. God's desire for you is always complete freedom. And although God sees the journey from beginning to end, he knows which step you're ready for right now. He sees with clarity where you are. Rather than overwhelm us with change, he thoughtfully, lovingly, and powerfully helps us take one more step toward the best version of ourselves. And as we change, our lives change. So with the time I have left, let me introduce you to the first three steps and see if God may be inviting you into this 12-step journey. Step one, we admit we are powerless over the effects of our separation from God, that our lives have become unmanageable. Can you feel your pride kicking in? I can. Our lives have become unmanageable. Can you hear the enemy's whisper? Nah, you got this. Please don't allow denial to work its magic on you and dismiss what God is trying to show you today. Richard Rohr has said, a good journey begins with knowing where we are and being willing to go somewhere else. And that brings us to step two. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. An important side note here, one difference between traditional AA and the 12-step spiritual journey that we offer, we always name with great clarity our higher power. His name is Jesus. And that actually becomes especially important at step two, which is all about trust. I don't know about you, but I find it a lot easier to trust someone that I know rather than trust something. Many of us, whether we've known God for days or for years, find that step two brings us face to face with our faith as it really is. Do we trust God? Do we really believe that he is able to lead us on the paths of righteousness that Psalm 23 describes? Or does our faith have shadows of doubt, wondering if he really will? Some of us may even feel that we can believe God's promises for others, but somehow we are disqualified or excluded. Can I remind you what you were singing earlier? I am a child of God. You are for me, not against me. It sounds lovely when you're singing it, but step two will force you to decide how much you really mean it. So I want to take a quick time out here and talk specifically to those of you who may have met Jesus for the first time on Christmas Eve. Since you're just beginning to figure all this out, there's something I want to make sure you know. Plus, I think the rest of us could use a reminder. Here it is. There is no one else, including you, who can save you from yourself, from an eternity without God's love, or from the messes that are made down here on planet Earth. Only Jesus. But here's the kicker. Jesus may be uniquely qualified to run your life, and he wants the job, but he will not force things you have to let him lead. That's what it means for Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior. Please, can I encourage you to avoid the trap of boring religion that reduces life with Christ to a formula, a checklist of behaviors, go to church, do this, don't do that. Actually, to follow Christ means you're going somewhere, not standing still, and he is leading. Tucked in behind him, you may not always know with certainty where the path leads, but you can be absolutely sure you can trust his promise of new life. We're here to help you start that journey. If you head to the adult classes and 12-step table as you leave today, ask them about Starting Point. It's another room we create where you can have your questions answered and also unpack the basics of our faith. 
And that brings us to step three. We have made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. There it is. When reality and faith collide, surrender is the only path forward. You could always try harder or self-help or try and fix it, but that would be no different than going to the hospital and asking to borrow an operating room because you just discovered you have cancer and you're thinking your best bet is to operate on yourself. Really? That's the move. Okay. To surrender is to summon the courage to face what we've been avoiding, to climb up on that table and hold still as the great physician does what only he can do. This kind of surrender is a mark of spiritual maturity. Think about the example Jesus set for us in Gethsemane. Not my will, Father, but yours be done. The beatings, the interrogation, the betrayal, the pain that followed that decision doesn't look like victory, but Jesus knew his Father and he trusted the path he had laid out for him, even to the cross. 2 Timothy 1.12 is the Apostle Paul describing his surrender this way. My suffering, he said, is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. This road may be hard, but God can be trusted and he is leading you somewhere very, very good but only he knows the way to get there, right? When it comes to the challenge of surrendering to God, I have just one piece of advice for you. You cannot do God's part, and he will not do yours. So it's going to be pretty important that you figure out which is which. So when I said that, some of you kicked right into try harder mode. I just got to, and if I don't, and then I'll, and I'll, right? That's not where I'm going with this at all, okay? Hang on. Remember, Transformation does not depend on you, but cooperation does. In fact, I've noticed this process is about 5% on us and 95% on God. Isn't that a relief? You cannot do God's part. He's got you. On the other hand, isn't it convicting to know that God won't do your part? If you stay stuck, it isn't God who dropped his end of the bargain. These first three steps are not an easy liftoff, but they are the essential foundation of the work to come in steps four through 12. I love my friend Janie's way of referring to the bravery this journey requires. When we hired her, we thought it'd be important that she experience firsthand some of the classes she'd be supporting. So in her first year on staff, we asked her to go through 12 steps, breaking free, hearing God, and one of Carolyn Merriman's recovery classes. That'll make you think twice before you apply here, doesn't it? And from that experience, Janie has coined a phrase that many of us use now. She'll say, it's good in a 12-step in a kind of way. And the 12-steppers in the room know exactly what she means, don't we? Deep transformation is both incredibly good and incredibly hard. But don't let that discourage you. Remember, God is doing 95% of the work to rebuild the life that he intended for you. Melanie has reminded me more than once when I want to give up that life is going to be hard no matter what. But because of Christ, we get to choose which kind of hard. Stuck is one kind of hard, the kind that makes you weary, frustrated, and hopeless. Transformation is also hard, but it's the kind of hard that makes you hopeful, healthier, joyful, and free. The question is, are you willing to do your 5% to get there? 
If so, I want you to know that God not only walks the path before you, he provides what is needed for the journey. Remember, 5% on you, he's got the rest. First, I can tell you God provides the destination. Only God knows the person he created you to be. He knows you better than you know yourself, and he loves each one of us deeply. He will fight hard and endure much to see us become the person he's always known us to be. I think back to when I was a teenager with, um, let's go with verbal abilities, which I used to cuss like a sailor, make jokes at other people's expense, and tell great stories that were only mostly true. As I prayed for God to save me from my verbal sins, I never imagined that his plans for me were much more than to just stop the hurtful words. He could see further down the road, preparing me to use my words to serve as a medical interpreter, to teach Bible studies, and even to speak to you today. As it says in Ephesians 3.20, one of my very favorite verses, God is able to do more than all we could ask or even imagine according to his power at work within us. Tell me that's not some good news. I think the thing is, in our brokenness, we don't know what to ask for. We know what we don't want, but we aren't sure what we do want instead. We either find ourselves pining for some idealistic fantasy life, or we ask for so much less than he has in mind. We say, stop the pain, and he says, I will bring you joy. Remember the promise, God is ready, able, and willing to do more than you know how to ask him for and more than you could even imagine. Second, God provides balance. Listen to how Jesus is described in John 1, 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth means he is the only one who can love us rightly and see clearly at the same time. On your recovery journey, there will be times you need grace, God's divine empowerment, and his undeserving favor, and you will have it. There will be other times on your journey that you need truth, a reality check, maybe even a good talking to, and you will get it. That's the thing about Jesus. Only he can perfectly balance both and give you what is needed when it's needed. That's what keeps us on the road and between the lines. The third thing God provides are companions. Other Christians aren't just nice to have along. They play an important part on our road trip to transformation. Maybe that's because a lot of our stuckness comes from wounding that happened in relationships. And so our redeeming God chooses to heal us in the context of relationships. You may or may not know our mission statement around here. It's the express purpose for which we exist. It begins this way, to create an authentic Christian community that effectively reaches out in love, acceptance, and forgiveness. Turns out, most people appreciate a place where pretending is not the norm, and when people ask you how you are, they actually want to know. But let's face it, when authenticity means bringing our places of stuckness into the light, suddenly faking it doesn't sound so bad. Shame and pride want nothing more than to keep things hidden. Secrets, after all, serve the enemy well because they isolate us. The Bible, however, makes it very clear that God does not want us to journey alone. 
He knows we will need the care, comfort, encouragement, truth-telling, and support of other Jesus followers as we pursue recovery. That's why we don't just hand out 12-step books. Here you go. Good luck. Here you go. Good luck. We offer 12 steps as a place, a place to be honest and to be in it together. As scary as that may sound, we have much to gain through transparency and much to give as we love, accept, and stand witness to forgiveness. Fourth, God provides the Holy Spirit. He is not only with us, he lives in us. It's kind of like our Christian superpower. Listen to Paul describe it in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 9. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's goodness, his glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure, this light, in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is not from us, it is from God. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Can you picture it? Those Marvel superheroes who get shot, run over, beat up, buried under buildings, and yet they always survive. In a spiritual sense, that is what the Holy Spirit does for every Christ follower. Though the journey will hit us hard at times, by the Spirit's power, we will survive. We will make it through. So if God is doing all of that, providing the destination, companions, the balance of grace and truth, the Holy Spirit, if he's up to all of that and more, what does our part look like? What does our 5% entail? Over the next two weeks, Grant will be unpacking the other steps, but let me give you the basics of our part, as simply put as I can. Our part is to say yes, don't argue, and don't be afraid. If God is nudging you, it's because he knows the time is right and you are ready to take this next step. We wanted to share a new song with you this morning, and I gotta be honest with you guys, on Monday when Andy told me about it, my first thought was, are, are you kidding? On a 12-step weekend, we're going to introduce a song called New Wine. Good idea. But then my husband, Chris, had to practice his bass part this week, and so I got to hear it a few times. God wanted to make sure I didn't miss his point, I think. And I did. I listened. I really listened. And it got me thinking. The only way grapes become wine is if somebody puts in the work and has the patience for the process. And grapes may last for a season, but wine can last for years. I think you'll find much of the heart of 12 Steps in the lyrics of this song. And as they sing, wait for God's nudge. Listen for his whisper. Where does he see that you're stuck, even if you don't? What relationships or areas of your life does he long to see you free? And I'll take it one step further. I can guarantee you that the enemy is right next to you hoping to distract or provoke your pride or in some other way talk you out of what God is looking to offer you. Don't let him. In fact, if you're feeling brave, as always, we'll have a prayer team down front after service. Come work your step one with us right away. Come tell us where you're stuck, where your life has become un unmanageable. 
and we will help you experience a taste of that authentic Christian community where you are heard and loved and prayed for, where we can remind you who God is, how much he loves you, and that he is ready and willing and able to lead you to freedom. Let's sing. Would you guys stand with me, please? I'd like to read a promise from scripture over you to encourage you. Philippians 2.13 says this, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Would you let me pray for us? Father God, you and I spent quite a bit of time talking about this message this week, and what you kept reminding me is how much you love this church, how much you love every person in this room who you have called by name, that you have good plans for every single one of them. And not unlike the way I feel about my daughter, when you see us choosing to learn the hard way, choosing pain over freedom, it breaks your heart. So God, we wanna open ourselves up to you. We wanna say yes in the measure we're able, knowing that you will give us both the desire and the power to follow you. God, give us the courage we need to name what is real, Give us the humility to share that with another person and lead us to freedom as only you can, Jesus. Thank you that we are not alone and that you love us right where we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.